The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota, and I love talking about women in agriculture. The women of Common Ground Minnesota are volunteers who are volu- you know, taking their time to chat with you about what it's like to live on a farm and grow food in Minnesota. Here's some really great news about this group. They have just launched a newsletter that you can basically sign up for at commongroundminnesota.com, and you get the latest you know, events, giveaways, delicious recipes, all sorts of great stories from the farm. And I got to tell you, it's just a really cool thing to get into your inbox every month. And it's it's kind of an, a way in. If you're wondering, like, I don't know what I'm going to ask when I go to Common Ground, Minnesota. Well, this is just an introduction and a way to get you guys to meet the farmers at Common Ground, Minnesota. The Common Ground Minnesota volunteers, remember, their goal is to be a resource for your food and farming questions. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at Common Ground, M-I-N-N, CommonGroundMinnesota.com. Eat on the weekly dish. Welcome to Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Steph March. I'm here with Stephanie Hansen. Hello. We are just coming in hot today. That's how that woot goes. Woot. Yeah. Woot woot. Happy Saturday, everyone. Happy Saturday. We made it through a very historic week. I think that's pretty exciting. I got to say, I got to give a shout out to the first female vice president of the United States. I just have to say it because I was very, very happy about it. Well, I think as women, we can say it. There was obviously a lot of rancor getting here. Um, which is a little sad because if she'd had just been able to have the usual pomp and circumstance about being the first woman, right. that would have been pretty amazing. But it's amazing nonetheless. Yeah, nonetheless. And maybe the best thing that came out of the week for everybody, besides having you know the first woman installed in a in an office, you know, of executive order up in the uh, in the United States, is of course the Bernie memes, which were holy <laughs> cats. I gotta tell the you. Best. <laughs> When he was at, okay, when he was in the tub with Prince. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Uh, when he was in a canoe uh, at the Boundary Waters. That oh, was I didn't my see favorite. I posted yeah. that on my story. Yeah. When he was at all of the local restaurants, he was at the Free House. Yeah. He was at the Stone Arch Bridge Festival. Well, and did you see the map? Did you, did I send you, did you get the mapping thing? Of the, how you can map yeah. your house? You can I, map, that's how he got to like, you know, CC Club and all that stuff. It was, was just, you just type in the CC Club and there it goes. I just thought it was, I thought it was like a much needed, like communal, like the entire country. We all could, could have a giggle. around the Bernie meme. We had a giggle. And, and just his outfit too, like. <laughs> When I first saw him at the inauguration, because I, I almost posted a, a video, but I decided not to, which Stephanie would have been so proud of me, because okay. I was in my robe at 4.30. I had been in my robe at night. I sat in my robe the entire day and watched every oh, single video. Oh, like you got up. I did notice that you got up to see the uh, the early stuff. and then I got up were... to see it all. Yeah. And then I was like, I, I was left with three things. I I have so missed color. The color of what people wear and the color of the outfits and talking about fashion. I missed that. Yeah. I missed music, like watching the live performances at night, you know, besides John Bon Jovi looking like B. Arthur. 
it was just I, wonderful. And that was the one that see. I was like cooking through, so I, I like heard it, but I didn't watch it. And then he I got was the text. Cute, but it was um, just a little like, meh, meh. yeah, okay. But I missed the the pageantry of Lady Gaga showing up with her Hunger Games badge. Oh. Uh, I missed even J Lo. Like I just missed music. J Lo took the suffragette white outfit. To eleven, she did. Let's be clear, like all the women in their white suits, you know, that normally show up, and I'm like, "Mm, there she goes. It was very prince-like too, because she had the ruffly uh, front. Well, just the shout, you know, and and the Chanel earrings. Oh God, I missed the fashion. I missed the music. I missed like the civility, the pomp. I just it was a spectacle, and a lot of people had been saying that there shouldn't be a spectacle because it was you know not safe, and everyone was worried about it. And then there were people arguing, no, 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 we need a spectacle. And that was why he got out of the car and walked. And, you know, it was like, that's the idea behind, you know what? We need to have a show. Like, everybody needs to have a moment of celebration in a show, and then they can get back to work. Yeah, I just, I I was thinking about it, because normally in an inauguration, we hear about the food, and there's the ball. And I kind of appreciated, this sounds like a ridiculous statement to say, because it's not true, but it felt like sort of every man was participating. You felt like what? That it was more of an every man inauguration yeah, yeah. because every woman, every man, because there wasn't the ball. It was more like we were participating. The fireworks were spectacular. Oh, yeah. Katy Perry looks great. Demi Lovato. She did great. Looks great. I loved. I Okay. Although my, I don't know why she was wearing a suit and she just, I felt like she looked she like was a drowning P- in it. She Well, she looked like a PTA director. You yeah. Know what and I mean? she, was she was drowning was like a in the suit. I loved looking at the Biden's children and one of the, this is my husband talking, but one of the girls, my husband's very um, into hem, hems yeah. that you hem your pants. Oh, One of the girls, like her pants weren't hemmed. They were like three inches too long. They were just dragging along the floor. So I was like, oh, that's so a teenage girl. Yeah. You know that you just, you don't hem your pants. I loved Jill Biden's. Or maybe White. that's the style, though, that she wants to do. No, it was like she was tripping over her pants and she kept pulling them up. I loved the white outfit with the embroidered flowers from 50 states. Like, I just, I loved it. Yeah, it was good. It was nice. And I even loved the pomp of, to be fair, the final President Clinton getting into, or excuse me, President Trump getting into the airplane and his walking out and all of that and his, I, I, Enjoy that you formal are into that. ceremony. I have it. not been. I've. I don't know if I've ever watched an inauguration oh, in my entire life. I don't think I've ever watched one. And this one I did. And for me, it's because of Kamala, and it's one hundred percent. I mean, and I, the little girls. Yeah, I mean, it just was. It was all about that for me. So and I'm that there's a pet a, back in the White House, and there's yeah, children. Yeah. And, but yeah. to bring it back to food, just in case you want to know, please. If you want to know, Joe Biden's apparently his uh, the new President Biden's. Uh, Favorite sandwich is at Capriati's, you know, or the Caprat, whatever it is. Now sure. I mess it up. And they, we have one. It's like a sandwich shop in Will in Delaware, but it's they have one here. I think in like Eden Prairie. Okay, it's a chain, and they have a turkey. They have like the Thanksgiving turkey sandwich thing. Like they have okay. that, and that's what he likes. So. Someone was on. Someone was asking. They were like, "There's no more Boston markets here. Where can I get?" Like the Thanksgiving, like turkey. I was like, Honey Baked Ham has great turkey sandwiches. Do they really? Yes. Yes. Really good. And they were looking for the Thanksgiving, like a sandwich or they were looking for a turkey? They were looking for like turkey and the sides and. Where do you get that and why do you want that? <laughs> you can get it at, like, Bayer Lee's always has that stuff say, in the deli you, or you're Kowalski's. Right. You can walk up and get the grab and go and they have mashed potatoes always. Yep. They always have. I don't know if they have like a green beans or anything like they that. They do. Always. Do they really? A green bean almond dean in that deli. Absolutely. Oh, crazy. Yeah. I suppose so. These are like salads yep, and whatever. And you're thinking about vegetables that can hold up. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. I'm I'm happy to report the episode of diverticulitis has passed, so I'm back on food. Okay, good. <laughs> good. You're not just drinking all nope, of your stuff. Nope. Now I'm trying to heal my gut, though, because whenever you're on antibiotics, whew, they just like clear out the decks. I know. That's the truth. Um, okay, so yesterday, I have to tell you that while it was, yesterday was our first real January day, I felt like. Yesterday was like a high of 12. And I felt like, well, this is January, right? Because like, that's normally, I mean, my God, I remember the month that we had like one day above zero, you know? And yeah. I feel Oof. like we've lucked out in a lot of ways in that it's been in the 20s and More 30s. Balmy. God, yes. it's been crazy. So uh, so yesterday was very cold, but I that was the day that I was meeting someone at a fire pit. Like that was the prearranged day that I was like, Let's go sit out at a fire pit. And we thought, where are we going to find one? Are people going to have them open? And we were at Birch's on the Lake, which is, you know, out in my neighborhood. And I threw on the fur coat and I went and sat and I and it had this like meeting by the fire pit. And it was really great. And I just thought about it like, God, if I can do this on like the really, really cold days, I'm really excited. Like, I feel like, you know, that's a way to get at this, like being social. And it means so much more when you get to go out and hang out with someone you haven't it's, seen. It's funny you mentioned that because my husband, who really hasn't gone very many places, and he went skiing with his friend, his man friend. And he was so much lighter when he came home. Yeah. Like. You need friends. You need you people that are not your spouses, not your children. Yeah. You need to interact in the world with people that are not me, frankly. I was just like, oh, how was he? Like, how? And he was like, and they skied for four hours and he got, they brought the van so they could tailgate in the van. Yeah. Because it was warm. And yeah. It was just, it was so fun to see him. Because I get to see you every week, yeah. which is part of why I think the show has been excellent the last eight months, because we're so excited to talk <laughs> to each see other. see some other person. Yeah, it's just like, it's yeah. terrible that we don't have to talk about restaurants necessarily, but there's like a genuine enthusiasm to come here and talk to you every week. And then I just, I feel like it reminded me, oh, my niece is now, she's in ski club. So she had her first race and she was telling me all about it and the friends that she made. And yeah, I just have had a lot of experiences this week where it's like, oh, yeah, friends, people, people are important to people. And especially during January where it's like, I don't know, I feel like we were all doing these other things like in the fall and everyone's get out guy, you know, they're like, oh, and I can go to those state parks and I can and you tend to get a little bit more tight. You know, you kind of find a little bit, although apparently ice skates are sold out, you know, and the cross country ski game yeah. at Theaterworth Park is strong. Yes, everywhere. No so shoes. everybody is getting out. But I would just say that I had a I just had a it's like as cold as it was having sitting around that little fire. And yes, my toes by after like an hour and a half were frozen. Did you get a proper drink? Yeah, I had an old fashioned. Oh. I mean, it was like in a plastic cup, but nonetheless, you know, still an old fashioned, still an old fashioned. Still somebody mixed me a drink and I drank it fast. And then <laughs> and then I had another one, you know, and then it was just like, wow, it was just it was just really, really nice. And everybody and I will say that by the time we left and we had gone for happy hour early because I really was hoping for sunshine and stuff. And then by the time we left, it was I mean, people had snowmobiled over. People were ice skating. It was like. Minnesota just shows up and I just, you know, as much as we talk about it, as much as we talk about where these winter hardy people, we really are. Yeah. And it's kind of fun to see. So I love it. And that was Birches on the Lake. Yeah. Birches on the Lake. It's just right out in Long Lake. And they've got, you know, great drinks and they've got snacks and you can sit upstairs indoor. They're open for indoor upstairs. Actually, they're open for indoor downstairs because we grabbed one little, we had a little sipper of beer as we were kind of going and there were people populated in different areas, you Mm -hmm. know, in their little things. And so there's that. 
All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break, but we have a great show today. We're going to talk... Uh, it's a dry January. Yeah. We're, we're getting uh, to the end of it, but okay. we had a request last week for some mocktail recipes, so I threw sure. some together and have some thoughts. Great. We're also going to talk about Dutch ovens. <gasps> not <laughs> tooting under the bed. Not. No, we're not. We're actual... Du- <laughs> you know, most people on the food show know that when we say Dutch oven, we're talking about the I cooking just, Every time you say the word Dutch oven, I laugh like an eight-year-old. You're funny. All right, we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen from Weekly Dish, and I just moved from my townhome in St. Paul to a single-family home in Golden Valley. I have bought and sold three homes in the last five years, so while I feel like I should be an expert in buying and selling, I am not. I called on the real experts, Carrie Augst and Sue Durfee from Lakes Area Realty at CarrieAndSue.com. They helped me, and they will help you find the home that's right for you. When I bought my home, it was stressful. We wrote three purchase agreements and I dumped one home after inspection because it just wasn't right for me. When you're making such a huge purchase, you want to work with experienced agents. Carrie and Sue are just that, and they are really responsive and can meet your needs quickly. They are a small but mighty team, and they were super hands-on at every step. I even got Carrie to show me three homes one afternoon, and I didn't even have an appointment scheduled. I just drove into a neighborhood that I loved, and I called her. Not what I'd recommend, but it does happen. So if you're walking down this road of buying a home for the first time, or if you're selling your home and you want to downsize, call Carrie Elkst and Sue Durfee at Lakes Area Realty. That's C-A-R-R-I-E at CarrieAndSue.com. All right, welcome back to the Weekly Dish, friends. So last week, we had someone that was wanting to talk a little bit about Dry January and the mocktails. And I was not doing dry January. I started out and I was like, really? I'm over this. I'm not doing any of these fancy diets, any of these fancy schemes. Right. And then I got diverticulitis, which basically demanded that I not drink for two weeks because I was on antibiotics. So then I was like, oh, here I am in dry January with everybody else. Um, I had done an interview with uh, Jeff and uh, from Hairless Dog which is a local company that is making non-alcoholic beers. There's four of them in their brand. And I did a podcast with him on the makers of Minnesota. And what was really interesting to me when I was talking to him. So just to give you some background, my family, like my mom, my stepdad, my sister, a bunch of rallies are all in recovery. And my stepdad has actually written a couple books about codependency. And he was a therapist in the recovery movement. And so my family goes back in this a long ways. And we, growing up, my mom quit drinking, I think, when I was in sixth grade. So we would have Catawba juice at holidays as a way to celebrate. And we would all have our wine glasses full of this, um, which is essentially grape juice. It's bubbly. And then I remember my stepdad having non-alcoholic beers at some point. Like Klaus Toller was the one he used Mm -hmm. to drink. And... Somewhere along the line in high school, I remember cracking one of those and thinking, oh, I'm going to see what this feels like or what this tastes like. And I'd had regular beer at that point, but probably crappy regular beer. And then I had this close holler and I was like, oh, this doesn't even taste like beer. So I was kind of snotty about non-alcoholic beers. Well, I ran across, I was at a tasting panel when I first ran across Hairless Dog and I was there to judge it with other Minnesota made products. And I remembered having these thoughts in my mind about how terrible it was going to be. And then I drank it and it was quite good. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's this has come really... a long way since you were a kid. Yeah, totally. And I, <laughs> I had mean, beer has exactly, come a long way. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, oh, this is really tastes like an IPA, actually. And I could see drinking this. 
So I ended up giving them a five out of five. And so it was fun to sit with them and talk about how they decided to come up with the beer. And what was so interesting to me about the conversation was him and um, Paul Perner, who's Dave Perner from Soul Asylum's brother. They're both musicians and they decided to just not drink anymore. They didn't do the recovery movement. They didn't do the 12 steps, which is some people don't. They just go their own way on it. So I, when I was talking about it, he was real careful to not really affiliate himself with a sober lifestyle. Right. As much as just sometimes you don't want to drink. Yeah. Sometimes you're driving. Sometimes you're going to a party and it's just not your jam that night. So I thought that was really interesting. And then we've moved into this whole sober January. Um, what is it? There's other names for it. Other months. October, whatever. No, sober October, sober September, like sober September. Yeah, yeah, these and and I and it all stemmed out of I think these this idea that you have a lot of consumption over the holidays and you just kind of want to clear out. Yeah, and then I think in September people do it after Labor Day. Kind of again, you've had this whole summer, summer of fun of, and you yeah. want to like get back to going back to like after Labor Day that Monday after or Tuesday after Labor Day is always like the first day of school in my mind still to this day. It's like okay, now I get back to my routines and yeah. So anyway, that's where all of this um, started. And I remembered Rob Jones, I think the bartender at, that now owns Meteor Bar, co-owns it, was one of the first people to make me like a mocktail in a cocktail room setting mm-hmm. that was good. That I was like, oh, this is a choice. Like, I didn't really re- realize that. And he was like, oh, yeah, you can use the same chefy cocktail culture type of experience and flavor profiles, but to use it without the alcohol. Yeah. And so I put together a couple of mocktails on um, the show page. Here's, I guess, my, a lot of mocktails are sweet. Like they're really based in sweet. So whenever you're putting one together, I think the idea is to have a certain amount of acid too. Yeah. And for me, that acid can be bitters. It can be lime juice or blood orange, lemon, anything that's a little bit acidic. I also really like bubbly. I wouldn't just, I don't love like just a juice mocktail because it's a little too thick and a little too heavy. I want something a little more effervescent. Mm -hmm. So I would cut it with either like a Catawba juice or some non-alcoholic. You could even cut it with, there are, um, there is a Michelada that is with a non-alcoholic beer that gives it the effervescence of the tomato juice. So another um, tip for any of these is glassware matters. Because I think you want to feel like you're having an elevated experience. So if you're going to have something that's uh, shaken, maybe put it in a coupe glass. If you're going to have it on the rocks, a small rocks glass or a tall Collins glass with garnish. Mm -hmm. There's the garnishes that Earl Giles is selling um, that are the gold leaf citrus, dried citrus. Have you seen those? They're really beautiful. That's cool. So I think if you're... Gonna take the time to do the mocktail thing right. Get some fresh herbs. Get some straws. Get things that are gonna make it look cute and pretty and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of the recipes, it's basically a mock uh, mojito. So you've got mint, but then another one I did is blood orange and and I like to put um rosemary. Oh yeah, I've and been drinking a lot of rosemary in my water and everything. Yeah, and and remember when you get the sprig out of the container. To rub it in your hands because that will release the oils before you put it in your beverage. Yeah. And even if they're a little, you know how sometimes they get a little dry? Yeah. Because you've had them in the refrigerator too long. That will help release them too. 
Um, I would tell you that thinking about this, this makes me realize that most of the cocktail kits that you buy from like restaurants, those are all mocktails because they can't sell booze. That's right. So if you're looking for someone else to help you along, because you can't, a lot of times it's like, I just don't know what to put together. If you're thinking about it in terms of, you know, that kind of a thing, there is like, if you go buy uh, like an old fashioned kit from someone that's going to have all the syrups and all the good things, there's just not going to be a booze in it. And that'll help at least, you know, to kind of like begin you. Like if you were going to make a mock old fashioned and let's say you're going to use, I know Red Cow has one, so we'll just say that. What would you use besides just that syrup? Because it's kind of sharp. I don't know if I would try. See, this is the thing is I don't think I'm going to take an an N.A. drink and try to make it taste or be like Like a drink, a drink. And that's because that's the same thing if I get weirded out when someone's like, this is a hot dog and it's like sawdust and broccoli all formed into looking like hot dog. I'm like, it's not a hot dog. But I would eat that, you know, broccoli like it was. So it's not, so for me, I'm not trying to ape something. I'm looking for its own experience. Um, And so I guess if I just said that, then, you know, you go and get a cocktail and you're supposed to make it into a mocktail. But I think, for me, I think like taking parts of things and putting it together. So I wouldn't try to be the same as that, but I would try to find, I would do things like I would take apple cider and boil it down so that it was more concentrated and then maybe use that. Um, And I would think about things like, also like flavoring your waters, you know, like you're saying, like Mm -hmm. what I have right now in my fridge is a big jar of water with herbs in it. Like I have rosemary and thyme in my water that I'm just drinking because I'm bored. And so like, but that I would put into a mocktail. I would spruce, I would spruce, you know, spruce that up with bubbles or whatever, but that's a flavor element. I would say too, like seed lip, is a distilled. I never. I th- that to me bugs me, and I, I like it. Do you? Because yeah. to me, I feel like I'm paying for water. It's. I am not mad at a little Ricky Martin. I'm just no. gonna say I was just I'm not mad stuff. at it. Do you remember this? when he came out on the Grammys and it was like the whole screen exploded, and he was just this mm. sexy, hot, I'm, amazing performer. Yeah. Now he's like a sweet little gay boy dad with four kids. I know it's amazing. <laughs> um, you wanted to? We're going to tap off with seed lip before because we weren't paying attention to the clock. <laughs> so Wait, seed lip is a non-alcoholic distilled product that's kind of like bitters or. But it's not bitters. No, it's not bitter. But it is. It has a real alcohol flavor, but it's not alcohol. Yeah, and I'll just it's disagree because I think it tastes like water. I mean, oh. It's, I yeah, I mean like the the two times I've had it, I feel like I wanted more flavor from it if it's not going to have that alcohol side to it. It just feels like it feels like I'm convincing myself that it tastes like alcohol or tastes like anything and it just I feel like it tasted like botanical gin. Oh, there's a couple of them. I've had three. Yeah. I've had two and I didn't like either of them. There's a citrus one which I like. It and the botanical gin one that's I think it's cucumber. It it kind of the the citrus one makes a French 75 fake. With the lime juice, the simple syrup, the citrus, and then bubbly water top. Yeah. I mean, so, it could be. It's, check it out. And here's the deal. Like, that's my point is, like, it could be a nice dimension that adds in. It's not that big. I just don't, I just don't feel like I'm going to pay the money for that. Sure. Like, that's the difference. It is about that. the same as buying a bottle of alcohol. That's what else You buy it online. <laughs> Seedlip.com. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, okay. So, n- the thing that if I would say the word Dutch oven, I'm, I'm going to say Dutch oven. And I think you're going to have to just deal with it because, of course, what I'm talking about are those gorgeous, big, heavy pans, you know, pots that we all love. And it feels like, I don't know, it feels like it's a northern thing, even though it's not. Like everybody in the world has the Dutch ovens, right? 
But just let's talk about the origin because I, you know, I'm sort of fascinated by the whole thing. Why do we call them Dutch ovens? You know, um, they come it, from Dutch because they come from the Netherlands. <laughs> what? <laughs> so during the from seven, Dutch from from Dutch. Oh, from that Dutchland, would be the Netherlands. You know, Dutchland, Netherlandy, Netherlandishness. <laughs> Uh, so they were basically, they come from the Netherlands in the 17th century. Um, at the time, the most valued cookware was being made of expensive materials like copper and brass. Sure, the French made beautiful oh, copper pots. God, can you imagine, right? The finest cookware, right? But so an English craftsman named Abraham Darby, right, thought that he could do better. He believed that there was a market for less expensive cookware. He thought the key was using cheaper materials such as cast iron. And the idea was that, uh, you know, the Dutch method was using sand molds and all this thing. But the English method, you know, had molds made of clay. And so they basically sent out, uh, he fi- they set out to find a way to use cast iron using sand. And so this is this whole thing. But basically they failed a bunch and then they figured it out and they made, and it allowed them to bring cheaper, more durable cookware to the market. And so that's what we're talking about with a Dutch oven, what this is. And, you know, obviously what they are, are these sort of heavier um, co- they tend there's a covered if it's a Dutch oven it's a cover it has to have a cover because that's what creates sort of the internal you know heat and everything else but um, it's it's basically I think a lot of people don't know what one to buy because the obviously the the big ones that La we Creuset. always talk about are Lake Creuset yep and those are the French ones and, and they're two hundred and eighty bucks I mean my God right so a lot of people think about what are the best ones and I thought we should go through and talk about kind of. You know, kind of the other options. Sure. I have, and of course, my first Dutch oven was the one, was the Belgian one that, you know, my mom got for her wedding. Is it cast iron? It is cast iron. It's a thin cast iron. It's not like a heavy, it's, um, but it is a cast iron that is, because uh, it's got, it's, it is heavy, but it's like, it's a lighter weight one. And um, it's from, you know, she got it for her wedding registry. Sure. It's the red one that I cook all my bolo in. Yep. And it is lasted forever. I mean, it's like it's an enameled. And that's the difference is this is an enameled pot versus some of them are not enameled. Right. Um, so here's I did find this uh, this basic review on New York Times that talked about they kind of rated the best ones for 2021. And I'll we'll put a link up for that one. But they say that their favorite, their top pick is the Lodge six-quart enameled cast iron Dutch oven. I bet. And Lodge, Lodge is, makes great products. And it's an American product, right? I mean, Lodge, I think, was started in Iowa, I feel like. Um, and it was, like, one of the first American-made cast iron, you know, companies. And this one is, they said it's inexpensive, but it's uh, it's aced every single test that they put it through. And it's 63 bucks on Amazon and 70 bucks from Walmart, basically. Okay. I know, right? So that's kind of your basic. I think if you're looking for a six quart, too, when we think about size, that's always a thing. Like, do I get a huge one? I will tell you my first Le Creuset, it's too small. I bought it and it's just too small. I try to do things in it and I feel like it yeah, doesn't ever, small. it's too, it's, I, and so I feel like I was economizing. I was buying it because it was like $200 yep. and I was just excited that I had a Le Creuset. Um, an upgrade from the lodge they're saying is a great one is the Le Creuset signature enameled cast iron five and a half quart round French oven, the round pot. Yep. And that's the one that I, that's not the one I have. I have an oblong kind of an oval. I have an oval too. But this one is 360 bucks. That's the difference. Right. Like that's what we're talking here. It's like, this is an investment. It is exceptionally durable. These guys are. They're high quality. It doesn't cook much better than the lodge, they say, but it costs more. But Le Creuset's oven are the kind of piece that people pass on to their kids. So this may be a generational piece. Right. Which is what I have, right? So I think that that's a really good idea. Um, 
Over years of testing, they said they have heard fewer complaints about the enamel chipping on the Lake Crusade compared to any of the others. Do you have any enamel chipping situations no, going on? I don't, on? and I've had mine for 25 years. I got it as a wedding gift. It is a great wedding gift if you have someone that's important to you in your life. Yeah. Um, yep. Nope. It's solid. And I have Delor. I have a couple of Dolores's up at the lake. Yeah. So those are even 50 years older than that. Cause she's got them when she got married and some of those have a few chips. Um, but we still use them. Don't you think? And, and okay. So here's the other thing with Dutch ovens. I don't know if everybody like people use them to cook, you know, they braise in them and they make, you know, I make, that's where I, I make my chili. I make my bolo sauce all that kind of stuff. But the thing that I started doing last year, and I know this isn't like, I didn't invent this and it's not new or anything, but I mean, I basically started putting them in my fire pit and that was a different, that was a game changer. Okay. I would never do that. I know. But I, but because I, can you just scrub the soot off them and yep, it works fine? hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So I just started when I was cooking out in my fire pit and I was thinking like, we're all going to be sitting around and you now yep. with your little of anything, um, I have a little fireplace outside. Yeah, I don't know if yours goes. I mean, well, it would depend. I don't know how yours works, but I mean, I basically nestle. I, like, I make a big thing of chili, and then I bring that out and I nestle it in the ashes outside of the logs, like not on it, uh-huh. and then just outside of it, and it's great. Huh. And it stays warm. It stays. It doesn't boil. It stays covered. It stays great. And that is one of the things that I was like. So I've done that with all of my Dutch ovens now. And so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of different. All right. The one that I, and I just did buy a Dutch oven from Food 52. Um, and I'm trying to find the name of it. It was like, it's the Misen, I think. Does that sound right to you? Uh, I'm not susceptible to these Instagram ads of pots because I am very, I, you I just, have a lot. I have all my pots and yeah. I got houses full of pots. Yeah. Okay. No, it's the Milo. It's the Milo cookware. M-I-E-L-O, right? Nope. M-I-L-O. Just M-I-L-O. Milo. M-I-L-O. Okay. M-I-L-O. Okay. So the Milo by Kana Cast Iron Cookware. You guys, it was 130 bucks. That was probably the most I spent on it. And it was, um, I love it. And it's black. I have a black one, but it's, they have it in like forest green and they've got these enamely colors that are like shiny on the outside. Um, it is, uh, it is pretty much, um, I mean, I've baked bread in it. I've done, you know, lasagnas in it. I, I did my steak in it the other day, you know, just like I needed a heavy yeah. bottom cast iron, but it's easier to hold than a pan is for me. And I find that it's, and for some reason, this one has like, it's already seasoned. It's already nonstick. Nice. Like it's kind of already got the whole shine to it. Um, but it basically is like it's for me. This one is has been much more of a workhorse than my other ones. So those, that's my pick for this one, and it is still on, still on Food Fifty Two. The last one I'm going to tell you about is the important one at Great Jones. Do you know about this one? Yeah, Have you I, told we talked us about last this? year. Yeah, I thought I should bring up the Duchess. It's called the Duchess. You bought it for Joey, right? I did because you can buy it in pink, and so. It is a cat. It is an enameled cast iron Dutch oven. It has. Um, it's got this beautiful gray interior that I think has just sort of, I don't know. I just really like the way that it looks. It's very stylish. This is one of those ones that can easily go and sit on your table and look beautiful. Um, but it's, you know, from all reports from him, it is amazingly easy to use. And the enamel on the inside is is so easy to clean. And it doesn't, you know, it's like, it's like because it's gray, you don't really see, you know, like my white enamel in yes, my mom's pot is scratched and stained and everything else. Well, the black Milo, there is no enamel. It's just cast iron, right? And this one is enameled and it is gray. And I think that that is the way to go. That is where I would go. I wouldn't go back to having a white interior.
Okay, if you're a vintage person yeah. or you're looking, because I have two vintage, literal cast iron Dutch ovens, mm-hmm. look for the brands Wagner. Okay. Look for the brand Griswold, G-R-I-S-W-A-L-D, and look for the brand Lodge, which we already mentioned, yeah. but there's a lot of vintage Lodge. Lodge is harder because they still make so many of them, it's hard to tell if it's real vintage or not. Right, right. Wagner and Griswold, if you can find Dutch ovens that are cast iron they're heavy, yeah. But I have one at both ho- at at the cabin, and I don't have my La Crusade up at the cabin. I use these instead, yeah. And we use them on the fire pits because cast iron you can just scrub off with steel wool yeah. on the outside to That's get the that soot off. Yeah. Yep. Although I haven't put that one in the fire pit because it's still too pretty right now. <laughs> like it's just pure black, but I'm sort of like. It's the baby, yeah, you know what I, I mean. Get it. But you can still the enameled ones. You can stick in the fire because I've that's the one that I the red one from my mom is in the fire has gone in the fire. I just feel like cast iron never goes out of style. Well, it's just it's, it's a little work because you got to treat it and you got to well, make sure you have a good not the enameled ones. You know, like that's the whole thing. You don't have to worry about seasoning the enamel ones. Yep. But the but the plain cast iron that is the difference. Although but this one, Milo one has been fine forever. Yeah, but it, I don't know. I mean, we have that, uh, like my cast iron pan, the Lodge cast iron pan I have, it doesn't, it's not, it's not like the end all beat all. Like, I feel like this Milo cast iron pot is way better than the Lodge sure, pan that I have. For sure. And I don't know why that is. I don't know, because my cast iron, but I've had them for a long time and they're if seasoned, seasoned it to the use point it over that I don't even again, need to. But there's that whole, like, the cult of cast iron pans where people are like, you can't let it touch soap ever. And it's oh, like, that's I put crap. soap. And then, I just, yeah. and then people are like, you need to make sure that like you have to bake it within this many degrees with it. And that's like when you get into those those geek boy metric things <laughs> that I think, yo, women have been cooking with this stuff for a long time and it's fine. Yeah. You know, so there I'm you go. not that fussy. So there you go. That's my Dutch oven roundup for you. I guess I'm high on the Milo. I love the Duchess, which is the enameled version, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, like we're saying, I think if you want one to pass on to your kids and your family, I think that's a good idea. I probably don't think I will buy another one. I will. You only need one. Right. So there you go. Uh, We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish brought to you by Hornitos. 516411071. We're at the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. If you want to tell us about your Dutch ovens, ha 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 ha. Go or ahead. If you want to tell us about great takeout you had, or you have a cooking question, we are here for you. 651-641-1071. We'd love to take your call live on the air. You can also tweet us at Steph March. At Stephanie March, sorry. At Steph March. What do you want on Twitter? Um, I don't know. Okay. I'm at, at Steph March Dish. on Twitter. Yeah. And then Instagram, we are Stephanie's Dish, Stephanie March. If you're looking for Stephanie's recipes, what to the number two cook for, the number four when. Uh, yeah. If you want to listen to my podcast, Makers of Minnesota, it just keeps going on. Right. We are everywhere. Just going to let you keep going. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just going to let you keep going. Um, okay. So I did have a question that somebody was asking about ice bars and about, because we did, I did an ice bar segment on Fox nine yesterday and we, uh, it, uh, and I think I did it on another, on NPR or something, whatever, but not this radio station, but they, um, we talked about the fact that there are a lot of places that are putting up ice bars, but what does that mean? A lot of places, I want you to make sure that you guys know that they need reservations. Like the ones at, at cast and crew, like the how and, um, 
SLP, the block SLP, you need to set, they're doing ice games, which is really cool, but you have to like reserve a block of time to go. And it's like six people, it's 20 bucks. Um, It's up to six people and 20 bucks. And then you, um, and you go in and, uh, and you get like s'mores kits. Everybody gets a s'mores kit. So, which is fabulous. Super fun. Um, Hey, we have Christine on the line. Hey, Christine, what's going on? Hi, how are you? Good. Good. What's going on today? Good. I just had a question. I love your Dutch oven talk, by the way. I'm oh. looking them all up. And, Good. Oh, God, I love Dutch ovens. Right. Um, so I just want to know, you mentioned making a steak in the in it, and um, I've never tried that. So I would love to know exactly how you, if there's any, if, do you just flop it in there and do it? So and how exactly do you do that? I did the reverse sear on the steak. So I got, so I went and got this really great, Australian Wagyu this last week uh, from this butcher shop. And so in that case, I did it, treated it almost like the roast, like a primary roast. So that means I stuck it in the oven and then I, I basically cooked it in the oven, like on a wire rack. So not in the, uh, not in the Dutch oven. I stuck it in the actual oven on a rack and, and waited until it got up and at 200 degrees and waited until it got up to the right temp for me, which was 120. Um, and then when I pulled it out, I had the Dutch oven on the stovetop, heating it up with butter and oil in it. And I dropped the steak in. It had to be hot already. And then I dropped the steak in and then I sear it for like one minute on one side. And then I flip it and I butter baste it on the other side. And the thing about the Dutch oven, what that was great about that, the cast iron of it, is that that got hot enough and it gave a really nice, you know, caramelization to it. But also it's kind of kept the splatter from going around my whole sure. stove. And so because of the high walling, Never I could even still... thought about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't either. And I could hold one end of it, you know, with a handle and tip it so that I could baste it. You know, I could spoon the butter and the oil mixture with the garlic in it over the steak, but it didn't splatter. And so that was what I thought was genius about it. That's a great way oh, to cook that a is steak. Genius. Yeah, the basting. Yeah, and it, and any steak works on these. This reverse sear, if you're doing a ribeye, a really fatty cut like that, is... Phenomenal. And I have never overcooked a steak that way. And I got to tell you, I am, Jake will tell you, I am deathly scared. Every steak that I cook, I overcook because it is the most tragic for me to have an overcooked steak that I've just paid 70 bucks for. You know what I mean? So I think doing it in the oven, if you have the time, I would say do it in the oven. And then, and plus, if you do a reverse sear, by the way, you guys, you don't have to let the steak rest. So you do the reverse sear, then you get it, you know, you get it into your pot, you do the butter basting, and then you can slice it right away and serve it. We do the exact opposite for the record. I mean, we just cast iron skillet, smoking hot on the stove, sear one side, flip your meat, throw a knob of butter in there, put it in the oven. See, I would never put it in the oven if I was doing a sear first because you're already getting that gray in. You're already cooking into that. But that's just, yeah, yeah. That's how Kurt does it. And then uh, when he takes it out of the, he bastes it a couple times. Yeah. Like opens up the stove. And, For sure. And then that's how he does it. Cool. Can I have a I don't follow-up question? Yeah. So if you, so when you put it in the oven, do you just like put a cookie sheet, like a jelly roll pan and then put a rack on it yep. and then put the steak on top of the rack? Is yep. that what you mean by putting it on a rack? Yeah, I do a, I do a cookie sheet and then I put my cookie cooling you know, rack right in there. And then I put the steak right on top of that. And I just, I salt and pepper it. That's it. Stick it in the 200 degree oven. It took about 25 minutes maybe to get up to, or maybe a little longer, maybe 30 to 40. I can't remember, but I just kept, I just kept temping it with my therm. And, and finally when it got to 120, I pulled it out and then I seared it. 
Perfect. Nice. Oh, gosh, I'm going to do this. Go get some steak, girl. It does work. That <laughs> method um, works really well for a tomahawk chop. Well, anything with a bone in, it's yeah. really nice, too, because bone in, you know, is hard to get in a pan. Right. And so doing it to slow and letting that, you know, create the the fats and stuff, getting those to that nice, beautiful, you know, the way that they kind of there's a word that I can't think of. We have Anne on the line Anne, what's going on today? Hey, I have a question about the Dutch oven. Mine is just starting to get scratched on the bottom. Yeah. Do I need to season more? Is there something I can do about that, or is it fine? Is it the like enamel so is getting scratched? The enamel, yeah. I There's sort of nothing you can do. I mean, like, it's sort of like that's... That's what happens that's what happens if you're going to use metals, yeah. utensils, and... Mine are all scratched too, hon. Yeah, and I would okay. say that mine, my mom's, is scratched to heaven, and it still works beautifully. Okay, it's my mom. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love so it. Just Thank keep you. Going. You're welcome. Awesome. Have fun. Yeah, I, I would love say that, that she talks. I like the idea of thinking about Ellie cooking in my Dutch oven. I know, in 30 right? Years. Well, and that's why maybe I need to get. Maybe that's why I'm stockpiling because I have many kids to give to. <laughs> I already know that the main one, my that's mom, why I'm stockpiling. I know I'm stockpiling stockpots so that I can give them because Joey's going to get my mom's. You know, I don't think anybody else cares about it. Um, and then I feel like. But, like, Matt would need something super durable because he would take it, like, camping and stuff. So I need <laughs> something else to pass on him. I gave them all Instant Pots at one point, but, like, I don't think... It, that's not, like, a thing you pass down. I still love my Instant Pot. I'm actually I'm actually thinking about, like... Okay, so, basically, like, the sous vide option is, you know, is in one of the Instant Pot. I put a big thing on the, uh, on the Instant Pot, the Weekly Dish Instant Potters page, by the way, you guys, like comparing all, did you see that, that link? Yes. It was basically comparing all the different pots about like, who are you? What are you looking for? What kind of Instant Pot? What size? What are the tricks? What, you know, what would you maybe need? And I was thinking about it and I was talking with this butcher, the Jay Morton's, where these guys from Hugo, Minnesota are bringing this butcher shop to 50th and France and they're going to open, they're selling Japanese and Australian wagyu beef and i did a little blog about it this week and uh they i'm excited because they're bringing in all this kind of very cool cuts but you this is the thing it's like if you're gonna have a luxury cut of steak or something like that then i feel like you got to think about how you're gonna do it you can't just like oh i'm gonna slap it in the oven or in the pan and see how it goes and so he was saying how they sous vide all of their steaks because it gives that great... So you there's know, an Instant Pot with a sous vide feature? Yes, he said there's an Instant... He goes, there's a sous vide feature, feature on one of your Instant Pots. And I was like, what? I don't know if I knew that. Okay. So we got to maybe think about that. Yeah. All right. Well, I need a new Instant Pot because mine's super banged Maybe up. we should call the company and see if they'll give us some. Okay. <laughs> this is the Weekly Dish. You guys stay tuned for the second hour. Talking hot toddies. And yes, beer cheese soup is on the table. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071.